A friend of a great preacher came into the building where the preacher was at, and the preacher was just pacing back and forth, back and forth. It was obvious he had something on his mind. And the friend looked at the preacher and says, What's wrong? What's wrong? And the preacher, he paused for a moment to collect himself because he didn't want his anxiety to bite the head off of his friend. And he said this, the trouble is that I am in a hurry and God isn't. Have you ever been in a situation where you want things to happen now, but God says, hold on. This is going to be in my timing. This is going to be in the way I want it done. The lesson is called God's patience. And we're going to look at kind of the idea of how many struggle understanding God's patience, God's providence, and God's authority. So the first part of this lesson asks, says this, just ask the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk had a complaint against the people of Israel in his time. Oh, things aren't going right. God, why don't you take care of these situations that are at hand? The people are vile. They're not doing your will. Can't you take care of this issue? Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, or chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help? He's talking to God. And you will not hear. Ouch, that's kind of hurtful. Or cry to you, violence is what's going on in my community. And you will not save. Again, that's pretty pointed, isn't it? To accuse God of that. Negligence. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Anybody here ever felt that way in our society? Destruction and violence are before me. This is what the people in my community are all about. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. You ever been in a place where the law on the books is no longer being followed? And justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Have you ever lived in a society where there are laws, but those who are in power are not allowing the laws to go forth, and so what goes forth is a perversion? Well, that's what's happening with the law of Moses that the Israelites or the Judites were living under. That's what Habakkuk is complaining about. Now, if we were impatient with God, it might sound very righteous, like Habakkuk's words. I mean, that's a good complaint if you've ever been there. We complain about abortion. Anybody here ever complained about abortion? 
We complain about murder. Has anybody ever had a murder happen in their community or close by? We complain about violence. People who want to rob, steal, be on drugs. We complain about evil and even, at least in our government, in our society, some complain about the illegal immigration. Though I love the people that want to be here. Myself, I'm pretty annoyed that the law is not being followed as it should be in that case. I want people to come in and I want it easier for them. But I want it done in the right way. And if somebody pointed out to me and how easily I can go in that thinking, isn't it nice to see how God can move people so you don't have to go overseas to mission to them? He's bringing them here. He's bringing them here so that we got a fresh mission field to get out there and do things for the Lord. But if I'm looking at it from a certain point of view, I'm pretty frustrated that the laws aren't being done right. What am I not considering? God's will. God's will. Habakkuk was frustrated. He felt justified in his complaint, and I think he should be feeling justified in his complaint. I feel justified when I complain like that. Why, God, aren't you in a hurry to fix things? Aren't you glad that God has a great deal of patience, especially to sinners like us? But Habakkuk hoped that God would deal with this issue soon, if not yesterday. But the people of Judah had gone too far. God had in mind a stronger lesson. He wasn't going to let what was happening go without punishment. But he decided, in his wisdom, in his providence, that I'm going to bring in the Chaldeans. If you don't know that word, that means the Babylonians. And he's going to, take, he's going to let them take over this land to get the people recognizing that they have fallen away. And within that, you have Habakkuk, who's so for the Lord. And he's going to be involved in this situation. I'm going to deal with it, God says. I got, it's coming. <laughs> Habakkuk, I imagine him going, uh, can't we deal with this internally? We don't need to bring in the Babylonians, do we? Uh, can we take this in-house a little bit and just have a little talk amongst ourselves? Uh, we've gone too far. This is how, okay, <laughs> I should have kept my mouth quiet. In the end, Habakkuk capitulated to God's timing. 
to his patience, which was wearing out, and to his authority, as we all should. Even though all would be taken away from Judah. What did Habakkuk say? Does anybody know? I will rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, you get a picture of what was bountiful. Nor fruit be on the vines, it's all stripped. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock cut, be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Everything that helps them have a society be well-nourished and have economic growth. Even if all that is gone, what does he say? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, the God God, the Lord is my strength. He is my, he makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread on my high places. He has not left. And he's somebody you can rejoice in even if your nation whom God has been very patient with, collapses. What or who do you follow the most is my second point. When it comes to sports, what sports do you follow the most? I know there are some avid sports people in here dedicated their lives to it, watch it on TV, talk about it. What do you follow the most? Is it basketball? Is it football? How about wrestling? I know we have some wrestlers in here. Uh, my game is maybe table tennis or foosball. Right there. We got it down. Let's follow foosball. No, that's not, okay, I don't see a lot of people into the foosball. Maybe it's all sports. It doesn't matter what it is. You like sports and you follow it. If it's in my case, if I'm not playing it, uh, I've learned to follow the sports that my kids are in or the kids of those I know what sports they're in. And I enjoy that. So I embellish and think about Landon, my nephew. Boy, that kid is dedicated, man, that man has dedicated a life to sports. And he's got a good head on his shoulder. He put out something today that was some of his statistics. But he said above it, I give glory to God. Not my personal accomplishments, though I am proud of them. God gets the glory. There was a kid ahead of him at He made the NFL as a kicker. You know what happened to him the first day of practice? He had a bad day. He just had a bad day. Guess what happened? He got fired. His whole life was to the NFL. His first day of practice, he got fired. Have you ever devoted yourself to something 
all your life, only to find out in a lick of, in a split moment your dreams are gone. A lot of people go through stuff like that. Now, would you recommend him sitting down and sulking the rest of his life? From a Christian point of view, you might say, you put it all in. Maybe you put it all in for the wrong reason. Maybe God wants you to understand who is more important. Who do you follow the most? Who here has struggled between your desire and God's will? <laughs> okay, I see very honest hands popping up. It's, it can be a struggle, can't it? Have you ever put anything ahead of God? Time? Activities? Self? Work? Life? Did you learn your lesson or are you still making the same mistakes? Oh, that's frustrating. It's frustrating. Sure. Anytime we give in to temptations, we're making the same mistake over and over and over again. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured away and enticed by what? His own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Just imagine this picture. Who here has gone fishing? Yeah. Get that worm on the hook, that lure or whatever. We cast it out there. The bobber goes bop, 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 bop. And we catch, we, we, we dangle that thing in front of a, hopefully a big fish. And we catch it and reel it in. This concept is so up. I forgot the right word, but it's so odd. We are putting our own lure on a fishing rod that's about this far from our head off the top of our hat. We're enticed by our own lure. Our own desires are enticing us. I want to go this way. I want to go that way. I want to get that. It's right in our face. We got to knock it out of the way, take off the hat, put on the hat of Jesus Christ. The lure he has is something that leads you in that direction. 
And it may not be something at this moment in time that you are like, I really don't want to go that direction. I want my other hat on with my own lure. How long should God be patient with you? As long as it takes, God. You know, it, I'm a human being and I make mistakes. How long should God be patient with you? How quickly can something happen? Will his patience run out with you as in the time of Noah? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. How many years did Moses build that boat? Many. There is a time when God says, it's going to rain. Are you going to get in the boat, or are you going to be following your own lure? Are you working to keep his will in your life first? First. When was the day you became God? That was the question asked at the youth rally in Wyoming just two weekends ago, where I was at with a lot of the kids from the community. When was the day you became God? Ouch. Did that strike you as it struck us at the youth rally? The last point is, who sits on the throne? At this youth rally, we were talking about our idols. Again, another conversation that's very pointed and it hurt. Especially when they brought up things like yourself, though. They had a good list. The uh, youth minister liked, liked the picture of the calculator. How much are we into that calculator counting our funds? Or food, or clothes, or sports, or whatever. Anything you put ahead of God's will for you, your family, the church, even the nation, is an idol. Have you praised God for the things you have willingly gave up to serve him? Are you still holding on to what you don't want to give up? I'll get to that later. I'm just human. God would want me to be happy. Actually, he does. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Philippians chapter 3, 4 through 6. 
Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day. Wow, he's starting it off. He's going for the NFL team. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. You know the tribe of Benjamin at this time? Those people thought that they were strong. They were the best tribe. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. Oh, you can't get any better than that. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Man, he went out and did it all. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. If you want somebody in an equal field with the NFL, that's Paul. He's the best of the best of the best of the best in his arrogant mind at the time. I got it all in the flesh. But what did he say? I gave it all up for Christ. He gave up what he considered now as a Christian, the idols of the past for Christ. You remember the Pharisees who talked to the blind man that was healed by Jesus? If you didn't know these were the Pharisees, Paul's situation reminds me of them. Listen to what he says, John chapter 9, verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Verse 34. They answered him after his many rebuttals. You were born? He's talking to a Jew here. He's talking to a person of Israel. And this is how they looked down on him. You were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. Those are Paul's groupies. He's better than you. He has accomplished things better than you have. Some of it's in his genes. Some of it's in his zeal. The perfect spiritual athlete. You know what he said about it after he found Christ? It's all garbage. It's all garbage. The dream that I had for myself is dead. I'm going on to what Christ has for me. Because Christ sits on the throne. He is the one who deserves all allegiance, not self. Going back to the Wyoming youth rally. Not 
itself. Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 9, look at what he says following this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowledge, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or garbage. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. I think he's more excited to be a follower of Christ than a follower called a Pharisee. I think when he gave up those things that were holding him back, the personal desires that he had, he was more fulfilled following Christ than anything, anything he could have accomplished in his life prior. I think that's why he was so interested in helping people grow in Christ and teaching them about Jesus. Because it's him where all things are at. Christ sits on the throne. If you're not counting all things as rubbish in comparison to the great reality of who Christ is in your life, how long do you think God's patience will last with you? Hopefully, you'll get into the boat before it starts raining. Hopefully, a long time before. Listen how John phrased the attitude towards Christ on the throne of God in Revelation chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And tell me, This is a depressing passage for you personally or an exciting passage for you personally. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. And ever. That's our God. Aren't you glad he's patient? If there's anybody here today who has any prairie concern,